Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello, and welcome back to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is going to be a very different episode. And we will not be specifically talking about Once Upon a Time. We're going to be talking about podcasting. So if you are more interested in Once Upon a Time, you probably will not be very interested in this podcast episode. But if you're interested in maybe the television show Once Upon a Time or entertainment or starting a podcast, or if you're a podcaster, this is for you. What we're going to do is we're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to talk about a lot of behind-the-scenes types of things and give you skills to help you start or continue on with a podcast. And this, the title of this episode is called Podcasting Lessons Learned. So if you are interested in the show notes, which I hope you are, because what I'm planning on doing is not reading exactly what the show notes have, I'm going to use that as a starting point. And I'm probably going to discuss things in the podcast that aren't on the show notes, but the show notes are going to have things that aren't here. So you can get to the show notes at once upon a time podcast.com slash three one one three eleven. Okay. So let's start here. If you're a current podcaster, these points that I'm going to be talking about, I hope encourage you. That's really the goal. If you're not a podcaster and maybe you want to start, maybe you're interested and podcasting. I hope these are some advanced or medium point items that are going to help you along the way and things that I wished I had known because Colleen and I really started this from a conversation on the couch after watching Once Upon a Time and I wish that we knew what I'm about to tell you and one more little thing is that I want to begin the conversation about some of these topics because some of these topics are very secret and people don't like to talk about it. I want to start the conversation. If you know something more and you either want to share it publicly, you can leave a comment or you can leave a comment on a, a social media platform that you found this on. If you want to share it privately, you can email me and at feedback at onceuponatimepodcast.com. And because I want to learn more about the things and you're going to hear points where I stopped. I couldn't go any farther. I couldn't get certain types of interviews I wanted to. And we're going to talk about a lot of different subjects. I also want to say this. There are important points as I go through this list of 60 plus items that are lessons learned. And 
as I go through them, you definitely want to stay listening to this to the absolute end, because if not, you're going to miss it. And I don't want you to miss important things that I think are going to help you when you start and when you continue with your podcast. So let's start here. I want you to do something. I want you to look at your thumb and actually your thumbprint. I want you really to look at that. Realize that everyone has a thumbprint and everyone's thumbprint is different. And your life, your life experience, your life path is different than anyone else. The way you see things is different than anyone else. And so what I want you to realize is you are unique And dare I say, you are special. And that's why I would encourage you to either start a blog or podcast specifically as we talk through these. Because the way you see things, the way you've experienced life is different than anyone else. And we need that because life really isn't about just seeing things the way you see it. Because we can't learn that way. And so I want you to appreciate and understand how being unique and being different is important, especially when you're talking about a podcast. I want to start there. Now, let's dive into the lessons learned. Number one, count the podcast cost. Podcasting is difficult. It's not easy. Some people that you talk to may say, well, Podcasting is easy because it's this or it's that or I'm copying certain person's style of podcasting. So it's it's easier. Podcasting is difficult. There's a lot of things to it. It's much more than an RSS feed with an audio file on it. And we're going to go through some of that. Now, what I'm not trying to do is discourage you. What I'm trying to do is help you understand there's a lot to it. And you need to really understand the cost of a podcast. Now, I don't mean just money, but what I mean is time. When you start a podcast, you really have to think about how things will shift in your life. What are you doing now? What can you stop now to make time for the podcast, you have to prep, and especially for a television show. There is no way that Colleen and I could have just winged it and recorded these episodes. We had to take notes, we had to think, we had to look up certain things to make sure that we were right. And what's great about myself and Colleen is Colleen new actors off the top of her head. I did not. So what I'm saying is, is if you're doing a podcast, there's so many different things that you're going to have to think about. And we're going to get to how to set it up and websites and all those types of things. It is not just recording your voice and putting it onto an RSS feed. There's so much more. So count the cost. Think about what you can stop. Think about how you can change your time so that you can really focus. And with that in mind, the the decisions that you make about what kind of a podcast are you going to do? Are you going to do a daily? That's a whole that's a whole lot of work. Weekly, again, that's a lot of work. Are you going to do it 
we're going to talk about hiatuses and all that. Are you going to do every week from here on out? Are you going to take a break? Think about, are you going to take vacations? What about if you get sick? All these types of things you have to figure in to doing a podcast. Again, I'm not discouraging, but I'm saying count the cost. Think about all the different parts and money and all the different things that you need to figure into doing a podcast. The more you think about it now, the better off later. Um, I'm not seeing paralysis by analysis. I mean, we can overanalyze things to death. But what I'm saying is think about it. You may want to run it by somebody. Ask someone what it's like. How tough is it? What should I think about? But I'm saying think about everything. It takes more time, energy, money, emotional investment than anything that you can think of. And that's the truth. And we'll talk about all those things as we move forward. But let's move to number two. Are you going to solo host? Or are you going to have a co-host? The key to a great podcast, there's a lot of keys to a great podcast. It's the quality of the audio of the finished product. But that's not the only thing. It's the quality of the speaker's voice. Are you going to edit? Are you going to edit down the extraneous information, filler words and that kind of thing? Brevity. Are you going to stay on point? Are you really going to limit these rabbit trails and these little conversations that go off and then you have to get back to where you initially were? The likability of the speaker's speech pattern. Some people like the way I talk. Some people don't. And it that's another factor in the likability of your podcast and also the speaker's knowledge of the subject. Do they know a lot or are they saying things that they maybe heard from other people? All these factors really give the idea of how someone else is going to like the podcast. And that's why a co-host is a good idea because then first of all, you're going to have two different voices, which can break up someone talking for a long time. I'm taking a risk because Colleen is out busy today. She's out running around doing things. She's not here with me talking. So it's just going to be me. So it takes more for that to really be more entertaining than two people. So Colleen brought a lot to the table. If Colleen did not co-host with me, the Once Upon a Time fan podcast would not have been any type of success in air quotes at all, period. I I know that for a fact. And she is well-read. She's well-traveled. She's done so many different things. And so for her, it's easy to just talk right off the top of her head. She's a Disney fan. She knows all these stories. It was really incredible. And so picking a co-host... You have to think about, can you get along with this person for extended period of time? What's it going to be like? What if you have a disagreement? What if you have an argument? Have you worked things out with this person before? Just think about all these things before you pick a co-host. But I think a co-hosted podcast is a great thing, especially if it's a male and a female, because now you have two different perspectives coming at the same subject or subjects, whether you do it alone or you do with a co-host. 
Really think about that choice. And you can even wait. You can start off by yourself and then later on choose a co-host if you want to. Consider this. Toward the end of the run of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast, Colleen and myself really got so busy that we could not continue with the podcast and we had to stop production. So those are other things. Those are other types of discussions that you need to have. What will happen to cause you to stop or pause the podcast? Lots of things to think about, but it's important to do that. Number three, to niche or not to niche. From someone who's done a number of podcasts about whatever I wanted to talk about, me, I've, I've done a number of those. Those are great for me, but it's really difficult to find an audience for that type of thing because there's a lot of people that aren't like me. And maybe there are people that are like me, maybe a friend or family member that knows me. And so whatever kind of tangent or different types of subjects that I want to talk about, that's interesting to some people, but not for all. And I know that you can have a great title with a specific topic, and that can cause people to want to listen, but not on a consistent basis. It's really, really, really difficult. So what I recommend is finding a niche, finding not just one subject, but a subject that has a more focused focus. And so whatever you're going to talk about, I really recommend a niche. Again, me moving from talking about whatever I want to talk about to talking about just one television show on ABC a few years back. That was my first experience with a niche podcast. And there's a lot of different reasons that it worked. And we'll talk about those, but I recommend a niche audience for your podcast, because if not, it's going to be pretty difficult to grow an audience unless you have the most amazing personality, which you could. And there's people on television that interview Barbara Walters, etc., that can interview people. And it's riveting because it's that person. Oprah is another one. Until you're at that level, a niche podcast, I think, is where you need to focus. And the smaller the niche, the better. So that's what I recommend. Number four, what's in a podcast name? This is very interesting. There's going to be a lot of times when I'm going to say just because you can doesn't mean you should or that there is a lot of freedom out there. There is no form that you have to fill out. There's no committee that approves your podcast name. You can call your podcast anything you want. When I initially started the podcast for Once Upon a Time, I said, I want to call it the Once Upon a Time podcast. What I realized is as there were more podcasts that began because of Once Upon a Time, I had to distinguish myself because there was at least one other one that was also the Once Upon a Time podcast. So quickly, I took a cue from Cliff Ravenscraft because he had the Lost Fan Podcast. And so I said, okay, Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, that's it. We'll be different than someone else. And then other podcasts came along that used uh, the name Fan. And so there was a group of us 
that were really fan podcasts. So distinguish myself from the other Once Upon a Time podcast. I used the name fan, put it in there, but the URL that I purchased for the podcast was onceuponatimepodcast.com. So that's another thing is that when you buy a domain, again, there's no committee, but I would have thought that Disney or ABC would have purchased all the ones that they needed to. And actually... What happened down the line is that there was an official Once Upon a Time podcast. It was a short for one of the seasons, but it was a Once Upon a Time podcast, but it was the official. And we'll talk about being official down the line. But try and think of a name that will help you to stand out. Initially, I remember way back, I was talking to Wayne Henderson about this. And I said, I'm thinking about calling it either Frozen in Time or the Once Upon a Time podcast. And he goes, go with the name of the title of the show. And so that's what I did. But just keep in mind that as you move forward, others will join the group of podcasters more than likely. And the other way that you can deal with this type of situation is if you get in late, you can create a podcast using the name of the show, but you can say that it's a, in my case, it would have been a Rony Zone media production. So that distinguishes it. See, there's all these things that you wouldn't have known when you started. So number five, be similar but not be the same as the TV show. But the digital age and digital photography and digital audio, it is so easy to create something that sounds exactly like the television show or the movie or look like the television show or look like the movie. And I want to tell you the the lawyers are on point. They are looking for you. They are watching because they don't want their intellectual property being compromised. And they don't want someone to maybe listen to a podcast that they think is the official one because it looks so close. Maybe the lawyers don't like another kind of a copycat. And so for whatever reason, they want you to distinguish yourself from the actual show. And like I said, There's ways that you can do screen captures of what the actual show looks like. Use the actual theme in your podcast. I recommend against those. Even though I did it for the first year, I used the actual theme for the intro to the Once Upon a Time fan podcast in season one. But in season two, we changed. I got a royalty-free group of music and that's what we used number six hitch up to the promo train let's talk about the promotion train from the network and the network can help you in the long run abc or whatever movie studio that you are doing a podcast about they have their promotion budget And they are spending money on promoting their show, promoting their movie, promoting their product. 
and you definitely benefit. And so once you are creating either podcast or blog post or whatever you're creating, it will be it will benefit from that promotional push from the network or the studio or whatever. And that's really great because you don't have to spend that money. And so Google will also help you get into that, what I call the promo train. So again, you don't have to pay for it, but it benefits you along the way. And so that's another thing about doing a television show podcast is especially in a niche, it's going to help you and promote what you do in a roundabout way, not specifically, but the topic will be promoted. And so it'll be more searched for. And the more that you look at your SEO, the better you're going to be in the search results for Google, because that's part of the trick is finding out what people are searching for. And if the promotion is working for you, they're going to be searching for the name of the television show. Number seven, what is a podcast? And, you know, I say psst, it's not just an audio file with an RSS feed. So let's break down the different parts. There's an audio file. Yes, that's true. There's also text on the post for the audio file. The reason is, is Google at this point right now cannot pull out words that you record in an audio file. And if you've ever done a transcription from Google, it's really a laughable thing. So I think we're way off from there. But the text representation of the audio file, some people call it show notes, is that that is going to be placed into Google. And that's going to be searched by Google's what they call spiders to pull out the terminology that is in the show notes so that people will find what you have typed in there. And again, this is where SEO comes in to play and that kind of a thing. But we're not going to go deep into it right now. We'll talk about that in a bit. Photos. As social media gets more graphical, photos are more important. Plus, you have sites like Pinterest and all that. And you need to think about that when you are posting your blog post with your podcast is that people will be sharing your photos and the photos will be pulled out and pulled onto Google too. So there's a lot of different things that you need to think about. It's not just an audio file. And remember to every time you place a photo in your blog post, when you post your podcast is to make sure that all the photos have some type of URL that will bring people back to your site. And that is really critical because they may find a photo that you've used on your blog post and look and say, where did this come from? And so if you put the URL to the blog or to the blog post for your podcast, they'll know right where to go. Number eight, to edit or not to edit. This is one of the banes of my existence next to, well, this is the bane of my existence. Editing a podcast is just the worst. I, I, I really don't like it at all. If I had enough money, I would pay editors to edit for me. But at this point, I don't. So the biggest thing is 
when you're recording and you say something incorrectly, just pause for a bit of time so that when you're editing, you know right where to go so you can edit it out. Another thing that people really focus on, and rightly so, is the filler words. Um, uh, you know, and there's certain words that we all fall into because we're comfortable with saying it. And it gets back to when people don't know what to say, they keep talking because they feel like people are losing interest when you don't say anything and you're thinking, but that's actually not the case. And we'll talk more about that, about how to limit filler words in a bit. Number nine, record it live and thus no, or a little bit of editing. The great thing about recording a podcast is that you can do it whenever you want to, and you can have enough time, enough days to prep and to get it ready to maybe use Levelator to get the sound levels all even. You have time. But when you start recording it live and broadcasting it live, that's when it really starts to lock you down. It's because you want to let people know that want to listen when it is, what time it is, and it's going to lock you down. Another thing to consider is that there's two ways that you can put in your intro and your outro and your bumpers and all that is that you can play it on a soundboard. And a soundboard is a software that you can upload or link to audio files. And so, for instance, when I played the intro to this episode, I played it from a soundboard. So I didn't have to add it later on, which was great. And it saves a lot of time from editing later. You may have to edit here and there, but not completely. So I'm not going to give a whole bunch of names because sometimes programs that used to work don't work now, but it's called a soundboard. Number 10, mastering control over filler words. I kind of teased it before, and it's really thinking and actually slowing down your mind when you are talking on your podcast. There are times when you get nervous and you begin to talk really fast and you try and make sure that you remember everything. And that's why notes are so important when you're doing a podcast. Have notes, have bullet points that help you to navigate through what you want to cover. But that is really the key is to really slow down, be relaxed. Don't worry too much about exactly how you're going to cover it. As long as you cover the material, that's important. And I know some people that type out the exact script of what they're going to say and they read it. That's really tough for me. That's pretty hard. So when you are more relaxed, you take the time and you don't have as many filler words. And just consider that when you take a pause and you're thinking that people are really kind of hanging on that and they're waiting for that. And so that can really help people connect with you on a deeper level instead of just just quickly rattling through all the things that are on your list. Take your time 
and add some emotion to it. Pause when you need to think, when you maybe haven't said the right thing, just take a pause. And when you're ready, then say it. So be more relaxed. And number 11, you are a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're a social media person, and that means that you're part of the media. I want to say that one more time. You are part of the media. That's critical for you to understand because there's going to be plenty of people as you want to grow your content that are going to tell you that you're not important that you're not the part of the media. And I'm telling you, you are a part of the media. So in other words, you are important to the success of the topic that you're creating content for. That's the truth. And you need to understand that. And no, you may not be on a television station. No, you may not be on a radio station. But you are going to reach people that the PR or the media outlets can't reach. Because maybe the people that are listening to the podcast and maybe happen upon your podcast, maybe don't listen to the radio anymore. Maybe they're tired of commercials. Maybe they don't watch television. Maybe they have cut the cord. Maybe they only watch YouTube videos or something like that. Realize the importance of what you do in your space Maybe the people that read your blog or your po- listen to your podcast, you get their attention more than any other media outlet. Don't forget that because they appreciate your take on a certain situation or a certain topic and they come back week after week or day after day or whatever. Maybe they like your little funny take on certain things on your social media platform You are important. You're a part of the media. Don't let anyone tell you that you are not important. Now, maybe they go by numbers. Maybe they go by audience numbers. Okay, fair enough. But that doesn't mean that you're not important. Number 12, show notes. Take time when you do your show notes to make sure that it's easy for someone to read. And breaking it up into what they call little chapters and have little headings along the way. Number 13, for a news site, if you're going to start a news site, which if you're going to start a site for a television show, why not go for be the end all be all, be the focus, be the place where everyone goes for that certain television show and that certain topic whatever it is. Unfortunately, you're going to have to focus on the audience size. So do everything you can to build your audience. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. We're not going to go through that today. That's where something like a Dave Jackson, Ray Ortega, Daniel J. Lewis, those folks can help you build your audience and start from the beginning better than I could. But focus on building your audience. And once you get to a certain level, maybe it's a certain number of, and I, I don't even know, but I remember I was not there. You can go to a 
media access site for a certain network, and they will give you access to photos, to press releases, to different items that you can feature on your news site for a specific show. And unfortunately, it's all about the numbers. So you're really going to have to do your best to grow your audience. Number 14, the interest of your readers and listeners will ebb and flow. The unfortunate fact, this is the truth. If your group of listeners starts to wane, maybe the people that were so active with you on Twitter, they will get not as interested anymore and they won't tweet as much and they won't share your items as much. It happens. Sometimes the story of the television show or the movie isn't as interesting anymore and they moved on. Maybe they have things going on in their personal life. It just happens. And so once you hit a certain level, you you might want to continue to grow your readership and your listeners because it will not stay the same. And honestly, sometimes listeners got tired of us and they moved on to other podcasts. That's just the name of the game. It just happens. So don't take it personal. It just happened because, I mean, we didn't like the way the show went toward the end. And that was one of the many reasons that we stopped the podcast is that when we were trying to talk about things, it'd be hard to talk about something that we really didn't like. Number 15, TV networks will help you create content because they'll create content for you. Now, we touched on this before, but what I want to say is it is so hard to do a show when you just talk about whatever. But with a television show, they're creating new episodes every week. And even with the hiatus, they still are creating content, which helps you talk about things every week or every time that you create your podcast. And that's incredible. It's kind of like another benefit akin to the promo train. They are constantly doing something new for you to talk about, which is really great, except when the storyline kind of goes off. But that is another great thing to do a television show podcast. Number 16, what are you leaving with your content consumers? whether it's a blog or whether it's a podcast. Think about what you're leaving with them. Let's just take a minute and, and consider that. Whatever you're doing, whether it's a speech or a written piece of content or a podcast, we know that you're going to be playing an intro, talking, maybe doing a little bit of what's been going on in the host life and then covering the topic. But what are you leaving with them? And it is really up to you. And I'm going to start by this mentioning this. What is the heart of your content? Is it something that you are feeling strongly about, like maybe something where you want change in a certain part of the world or in America or something, 
Or maybe it is that you want people to remember to be kind or all kinds of different things. But what are you leaving with your content consumers? Just think about that. We'll, we'll get back to the heart of what you do because we've already kind of touched on the knowledge Remember, we talked about doing research and making sure that your research is good and that you're keeping on topic and that you try and get the right names for the characters and all that. But there's more to it. There's the heart of it. And also think about the themes in which you talk about with Once Upon a Time we could get very, very in depth about a certain thing that we saw in the background on the wall, or maybe a name of another character or something like that. But I always tried my best to make sure that the themes were timeless. We talked about, as a matter of fact, we talked about adoption. We talked about true love. We talked about revenge. We talked about, hatred. We talked about love. We talked about all kinds of different things. And I always wanted to make sure that the themes were applicable for that day and then 10 years down the line. And that's why I think I'm happy that we still have the access to those episodes. And yes, we would have been talking about a certain episode of Once Upon a Time. But the themes within there, I always made sure that they were timeless and that they were applicable for discussion today. Number 17, use a final thought or a sign-off phrase in your podcast. This really gets back to what are you leaving with your content, content consumers and also the heart. What is your call? And some people call it call to action. I never really had a call to action except for the call to action was to take what I call big love. And in the thought of it, I used the name of the previous show as kind of an idea for uh, Jennifer Goodwin. Uh, she was on the show Big Love on HBO. And I really started to think about it. And I said, the audience of the Once Upon a Time fan podcast I wanted to go for a female audience. And that's how I crafted the show. And this is how I put it together. That's what I was really going for. The final thought, I said, I want big love. And I thought about it and I said, because big love is love so big that you cannot take it all. So take what you need and pass that on to someone else. Because everybody needs love. And that's basically what I said for the majority of the podcast episodes. And that was general enough that I think a lot of people with a lot of different views could take that. And that's what I wanted to leave with the listeners. That's what I wanted to leave with the content consumers is that love was the key. Is that if you didn't have it, take what you need. Because basically I was giving it out because I, the, the thought was I took what I needed. I'm giving it to you. Now you take what you need, give it on to somebody else, pass it on. 
and it still is applicable today. That's that's good advice, I think. So whatever your final thought is, use that, do that, leave that thought with them. And I think that kind of thing is still, it's the strongest thing because what you say first, people remember. And what you say last, people remember. And I would think people still remember that. So again, we're going to touch on the heart of your content. What is it? What's the crux of your message besides whether the little sign in the back of one of the scenes was the same sign they used in whatever. That's fine. That's interesting. But the heart of your content, that's really what lasts. Number 18, the good and the bad side of fandom as far as your podcast. Wow. This this is a huge, huge topic. When we first started the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, we were like a train calling people who are Once Upon a Time fans to jump aboard. Come aboard all Once Upon a Time fans. And initially, that was a hashtag. O-U-A-T. That was it. When you saw that, you said, oh, that's a Once Upon a Time show fan. Great. Okay, cool. Unfortunately, that didn't stay that way. And we'll talk about the negative as we move forward. But what I want to say is when you have a group of people that really love something and they're all together, working together, there's a lot of good that can come from that. And we'll talk about charities and different things coming up. But when you have a group of people that like the same thing and with a show like Once Upon a Time, there were so many good themes within it that people could really take from that. Unfortunately, the fandom of Once Upon a Time, and I would say anything, any fandom these days, especially with social media, that has no pause for emotional outbursts. It's too bad that when you're angry or upset, that when you want to post something on social media, it doesn't allow it. It's too bad that you couldn't have things on your fingers to kind of check your pulse and check the way your heart is beating. And when you post something to social media, it would say, mm, I'm going to wait two days. I'm going to wait two days. I'm not going to post this until you've calmed down. It's like words. It's too bad we didn't have pause for our words. I've said many things that I shouldn't have because I said it in the moment and I should have waited and I would have changed my mind. But the same thing with fandom. And because the fandom began to really take on subgroups throughout the time. And instead of instead of using hashtag O-U-A-T, it was hashtags for different ships and different things. And then subgroups of that. And then people really got upset. And then it became a fandom that was split. And then you had fandoms that didn't like the show attacking those that did or the, the ships that didn't align or when you had ships that 
were together, then broke up. It was a tough, tough, tough situation. And I understand that Once Upon a Time is a drama, but it just really splintered into saddest situation is when actors have to leave social media. And we we're seeing that now, but it's just, it's unfortunate that, that we had to see that because of the fans. And, you know, I remember there were certain actors in once upon a time where people would attack them on social media for something that the character did. But the person that playing the character didn't do that. It was a character. But people are just... Mm, anyhow, that's the downside and that's the bad side of fandom is that when it breaks down from one group together, that's a force of good. It, it really becomes very, very, very tough. Number 19, should you have spots for your content on social media? In the old days, we would use anything, signs on the road, <laughs> to promote your content, whatever it was. If it was a blog post or a podcast or whatever. And because of what we just talked about, it might not be a bad idea to consider. Just consider not putting your information on social media especially if it is going to be controversial and controversy can be a good thing. I'm, I don't recommend it, but I would imagine politics is a great big, easy target right now. If you want people to have attention to your content, politics is an easy way to do it. But with social media is just, so easy for things to just spiral out of control. Maybe it's time to not use social media to promote and to discuss your your content, maybe. I mean, the pluses is, is that you can reach people that you may not ever reach any other way. The minuses, wow. I mean, it's just a lot of things can happen. But plus another minus is there's so many new platforms now and you're going to have to that that work to get it everywhere is just so tough. And I would imagine that there are paid ways that you can post multiple things, but just it's something you can consider. Remember that first level when we talked about count the cost, that could be another that could be another cost is it's an emotional thing. When people attack you, when they send you emails, and we'll talk about that more in depth going forward, but there's an emotional cost too, and I already mentioned that. Number 20, what kind of skin will you need for podcasting or blogging? Wow. Thick skin, really thick skin. Some people have called it rhino skin, and I think that's probably the best. Because podcasting, like we talked about before, takes your time, takes your energy, takes your money. It takes your emotion. There's emotional investment. Once you get all of that involved and someone says, I, well, I hate your podcast or I don't like you or I hate the way you talk or I hate the way you whatever, you will get that. And you need to be prepared for that is that there are a lot of 
pluses and there is a lot of great things to do content, either a blog or a podcast or on social media. There are great, great things that can happen by doing that. But on the other hand, man, there's, there, there's a lot of people that are just ready to pounce and you need a thick skin. You need to not take opinions and feedback so personal. That is very, very, very hard. What I just said is very difficult. It's not easy. But you need to remember that you don't know the background. You don't know the life of the person that's lashing out or giving you your email, the, the, the email negative feedback. You don't know. And so whatever you say, keep in mind, you could say the sky is blue. Someone's going to come back and maybe not attack you, but they're going to say, not for me. Maybe they live in Seattle. Maybe it's gray. Maybe there's a lot of storm clouds. You see what I'm saying? Things for you may not be the way they are for other people. And so whatever your opinion is, whatever your thought is on something, someone's going to disagree. And sometimes it'll go to the lashing out and you need to have a thick skin. And that's the way you need to handle it. I remember I replied to a listener that emailed me and just laid me out. Just let me have it. And I remember I replied and I said, I'm sorry, I'll take it into consideration, that kind of a thing. They replied back and they said, I've been very sick lately and I want to apologize because what I said to you was not fair. And that kind of thing didn't happen all the time, but I took that away and I said, we don't know what the other person is going through. Maybe it's a divorce or money trouble or job trouble or whatever. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe it's it's difficult for them right now. And so it's easy for someone to send an email or a post on Twitter or something on Facebook or whatever. But just consider you don't know the life that they're in or the path that they've been walking. Just think about that. But you need thick skin. Definitely. Number 21, what to do with good feedback. Okay, this is good. This is a good thing. When you get good iTunes reviews, when you get a great email, when you get a great Facebook post that makes you feel good, that really validates what you do, take screenshots, put it up on your wall, keep it in a file, keep it somewhere handy, keep it. Because sometimes that you'll get good reviews and good things like that, and you'll just take it for granted. Never, ever take it for granted. Keep it, put it up somewhere, treasure it. That's right, treasure it. You will be coming back to it. Just, I'm telling you. So there's going to be times where when the bad feedback comes, it's going to pound you like a storm. I remember there were times I thought about not only giving up, but changing the focus of the show, making it shorter, whatever. And you can't let negativity get to you like that. And we'll talk about how to deal with negative feedback 
But whenever you get to the point, you are going to feel like you're alone. Even with a co-host, you're going to feel like you're alone. And when you feel that way, look up. Hopefully you've taped it to the wall of all those good points. Reach for that file. Open that file on your computer. Read through all that good reviews and the good feedback that you got. You have to remind yourself of what was good. And believe me, you, you will, you'll need that. So what to do with negative feedback? It's going to come. If it doesn't come, I'm worried. You're, you're, you're not doing something right because like I said, we talked about, I say it's the sky is blue. Somebody's going to say, no, it's not. It's gray or it's yellow or something. So with the negative feedback, it will come. If it doesn't come, I'm worried. Let me know. If you've never, if you have iTunes ratings, all five stars for every single time, I I, I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me. But once the one stars come in, once the emails that are just railing on you come, this is what I need you to do. You need to learn to take what is important from it. What you don't want to do is take it all as it is, obsess about it, and then let it dictate the production. Don't do that. What you need to do is take it step by step. Part one, take the applicable items in the negative feedback. If they are telling you, you say, um, a lot. Okay. Valid point. Write that down in your, in your mind. Okay. That's something I could think about. You ramble, you tell stories, you don't get back on topic. Okay. Very good. Take the points that are valid. Consider it. I never said change it immediately. I said, consider it. Remember the DNA of your con of your content, whatever it is. Some people call it an elevator pitch, whatever the DNA, what makes up your content. It's not just your point of view, but it's your topic, but it's also probably done a certain way. And there's probably a list of things that you do a certain way because it's you and that's your DNA. And what you don't want to do is let listeners who are upset control that you stay in control of your DNA. But if you need to make changes, think about it and then make the changes that you deem necessary. Place the applicable parts that are valid points in your short-term memory. And these are items that you can bring up with your posse. And we'll talk about your posse. We're going, to, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about your posse. We're going to talk about your crew. Two completely different groups of people for your content, specifically your podcast. Part two, shift out the emotion as you listen to the feedback or you read the feedback. Just get rid of it. You can tell when you're reading the emotion that's in it and the emotion can build in and make it worse than it is. So take out the emotion, 
Remember, you've got the valid points in your head. So you may want to back some of those off a little bit based on the emotion that was in the feedback. So part one, take the valid points, put them in your short-term memory. Part two, sift out the emotion. Part three, get rid of the negative feedback. Don't focus on it. Don't obsess on it. Don't revisit it, except for the valid parts. But delete the email, get rid of it. If it's a letter, tear it up, whatever. And don't look back at it on iTunes, if it's an iTunes review. If you change your content based on every bit of negative feedback, not only will you just lose your direction, but you're only controlling it for one or three or five people. You have a lot more than that listening to your podcast or reading your blog. So don't let one or three or five people control what you do. Now, they may have valid points, and we already talked about that. And another thing, too, is the, the content consumer can hold your content hostage for a good or modified review of feedback. I wouldn't recommend being involved in that. If they felt a certain way, more than likely, they're not going to remember to come back and change it. They might, but my, my experience is there's so much else probably in their life that, again, take the valid point. If you think about it, you can change it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. A, a five-star review isn't that important. One five-star review is not that important to change your show. Unless, like I said, it's valid. Number 23, the freedom of podcasting is great, but think about the energy you are sending out into the universe. And this really affects the heart of what you're doing. There are sometimes I've listened to podcasts and it's just a complain fest. That's what people are sending out into the universe. That's not what I want to send out to the universe. Yes, there's time to express yourself. There's times to share your feelings and maybe you do feel like complaining about something. Okay. But if that's all you do, I, 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 my opinion, that's not worth your time. That's not worth putting on an RSS feed. And you don't have to be Sammy Sunshine. But on the other hand, just think about it. Just think about what are you sending out to the listeners' ears, to their hearts, to their minds, and out to the universe. Just think about that. Remember that you're building a legacy. Every post, every podcast, you are building a legacy. The better you can do by building a good legacy, and you may have an angry show here and there, but... The next one can be different. And the next one, you can maybe re-clarify things. So build a legacy. Build a legacy. Don't forget, each time you post something new, it's another brick in the bridge that you're building. Number 24, there are different kinds of content consumers. And this is interesting because we think, well... Let's just focus on iTunes subscriptions and reviews and things. Which, nothing really wrong with that. So, so let's talk about the different types. There's iTunes-centric 
content consumers. And these people live entirely on iTunes. That's where they live. That's where they visit on their smartphone. They may or may not go to your website. They may or may not even read your show notes. They're just listening. The second is website-centric. There may be some people that don't have a smartphone. There may be people that just have a phone. And they never go to iTunes at all, but they go to your website. So I've heard gurus like Dave Jackson at the School of Podcasting say, make sure that you have a play button on your website. Because there are people that that's how they consume your content, just by the website. And there's also the social media platform centric people. Is they may know you and they may like you. And so they're kind of interacting and sharing and retweeting and, and that kind of a thing. But they've never been to your website. And sometimes they may never even listen to you on iTunes. But they want to support you and that's what they do. Or maybe they click on the link on your social media, like a Twitter, and that's how they're listening to your podcast. So don't forget that sometimes you need a direct MP3 link. Then you can create that with an, a URL shortener. And we're, we're getting into geeky stuff and I don't want to, but just consider there's a lot of different ways that people interact with your content. And some people do all three. Some people do two. But j just consider that there's different places for different types of people. Number 25, podcast name differences, radio or a show. I just want to throw this in is that we've talked about how people will think of you differently because it is a podcast. And people might say, well, podcasts aren't that important. It's not radio or whatever. What you can do, because we already talked about don't, don't let people. There's lady. Don't let people down talk you because you're a podcaster, because you create a podcast. But what you might want to do is put radio in the name of your podcast. Like, for instance, I have I'm coming up with or show radio or show and I'm coming up with a new podcast and I'm calling it the men are dumb show. Thinking that I think I may get a little better access than podcast. My opinion, I could be wrong, but just something to think about that you have full control of what you put in your name. Number 26, create your own fun memes and be its sole sponsor. One of the biggest things that us podcasters, we podcasters, we bloggers come up against is getting sponsors and getting advertisements. And I've been doing a test for the last couple of months on my Facebook page is I've been putting funny memes that I come across on my page every day because there's so many different things that aren't fun and aren't happy in the news, a lot in the news. And so I'm doing my best to have little fun, little memes here and there. Also, I've come up with questions and I've, I went to canva.com and I've created these questions 
about entertainment topics and posted it on my Facebook page. And what has happened is now, again, I'm building a legacy every day and people are like, wow, Jeff's the guy that posts the funny memes plus the entertainment questions. And so people come back every day and sometimes they don't come back every day. They come back on the weekends and fill out all the ones I've done every day. So I'm being known as that. And so on the entertainment questions, after I put the question down, I put in the name of the website that I want to promote. So basically I'm creating my own interest for my own thing. Just consider that because people love two things. They love games and they love competition. Unfortunately, Twitter isn't as good as Facebook because Twitter, it's hard to kind of link it together. I, I know you can, but it's easier with Facebook. And so with Facebook, they can see, oh, well, this question has seven or 10 comments, answers. I want to get in on that. I want to be a part of that. Or they look at the other answers and they may interact with those folks. And so the more interaction, the more clicks that happen on a Facebook post, the more people get to see it. And so the more interaction you can build into a Facebook post, I don't want to go too deep into Facebook, but I just want to say, create something that has interest for other people and then use that to promote your whatever podcast, blog, whatever. And that can be a cheaper way instead of paying Facebook money or some other place money to advertise your your blog or your podcast because you can set your post on Facebook for public for everybody. And if you want to use hashtags on top of that, you can have a wider reach. I'll stop. I can keep going. You understand what I'm saying. Number 27, SEO still matters. And I highly recommend the Yoast SEO plugin. Again, the minute I say it, it's probably going to be gone. <laughs> so use some type of an SEO plugin that will help you get the best SEO for your post. Because I don't believe Google is going to go anywhere. And the minute I say that is it's probably going to be gone. So number 28, how to gather news items like the big news websites do. So we talked about how to go to a network like an ABC and then fill out their registration form. And if you don't hit the page views that they're looking for, they're going to go, uh, thanks, but no thanks. We, we're not going to allow you access to the preview of maybe the pilot or the preview photos for the episodes and the synopsises of the episodes and that kind of thing. When you have access through the ABC media, you will have pre-access to that. But you have to have the numbers of the readers or the listeners. But if you don't, I have a secret for you. And that's why I've starred this one, number 28. Two words, Google Alerts. This is big. So if you want to be on top of the news about your particular topic, set up Google Alerts. 
for everything surrounding your topic. So if it's for a TV show, set up a Google alert for the tele- the name of the TV show, every cast member on the TV show, and then as new cast members are added, add their name as a Google alert as well. And if it's very general, for instance, once upon a time, that could be a whole lot of different things for a whole lot of different things. So you may want to put TV show after it to kind of slim down the responses. And you may want to set up what definitely uh, set up Google alerts for the crew members and the production members of the show. We'll talk about why in a little bit. Also, a Google alert for your podcast or your blog name, your name, and your website, URL. URL. The, the reason why that's important is that if someone else mentions you or your website URL, then you'll know it automatically. And they won't even have to tell you. Now, you can have it a weekly little digest of all the different things, or you can do it monthly, or you can do it daily, or you can do it as it happens. And you can set up each of them differently. So I would want to know the website URL. If there is a uh, Google alert for the website URL, I would want to know right off the right off the bat. Or if something someone mentioned me, I would want to know right off the bat. But it depends on how you, what kind of time you have to review these and that kind of a thing. Google alerts, huge, huge, huge. Like for instance, we would promote the cast members for Once Upon a Time for their other items. Like if they were on another show, maybe they were in a Hallmark movie or another movie or that kind of a thing. And so you can use these Google alerts to help promote other things or just get a scoop on a new cast member being hired for the television show. This is a powerful tool and I highly recommend it. And you can even scoop the big boys before they have a chance to even mention it. And that's a good feeling. Uh, We did that a couple of times and it was a good feeling. And also this is going to give you an idea or uh, inform you at about an event that the cast member may be a part of before anyone else knows. Number 29, define and defend the DNA of your content. So we talked about the DNA. It's also your elevator speech. What is your podcast about? What is it? The DNA is what it is. We were we looked at Once Upon a Time through a married couple's lens. We connected it to other movies, TV shows, ideas like Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And we also dove into the themes of Once Upon a Time. That's what we were. We tried to make it so that we stood out. And I, we weren't the only married couple. There was a couple of others. But what we did is in season three, we changed our intro, outro, bumpers, and we had a lot of fun with the album art for iTunes. And we did a pirate-themed kind of revamp. We had a fun little pirate voiceovers and and we had a guy come up to us at Disneyland 
we knew a we knew a friend of his, and so they mentioned, well, Jeff Colleen hosts this Once Upon a Time podcast, and he goes, well, which one? And I said, the pirate one. He goes, I love the pirate one. And so that's how we were known for a while. It's the pirate one. And then we changed to the frozen one when the frozen uh, storyline took what became a part of the show. So we didn't do it every season, but I remember the most fun we had was with the pirate, the pirate theming of the podcast. And we had shirts made up and we had little comedy bits about pirates and that kind of thing. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So even within the DNA, you can have fun with it and make that your own. Number 30, branch out to multiple shows a week. I took a cue from Cliff Ravenscraft and I decided, because initially we did the show, I believe it was on Wednesday. And so I decided, I said, let's do the first thoughts on the episode right after it airs on the West Coast on Sunday night. And so, again, that's two shows. Then... We did three shows. We did a live show, too. So, I mean, keep in mind, the more you branch out, the more time it's going to take and the more cost it's going to be. I mean, as far as emotionally and time spent and that kind of a thing. So you can do multiple shows, but it's a lot to consider. Number 31, if you do cover a TV show with content, should you take a hiatus when the show does? That's another question, is that once the show stops, it's airing its season, do you continue to do content for that show? I would recommend, for your sanity, I would recommend not. And that's why I feel for people that do weekly shows, because they really can't take a hiatus, but I recommend they do. If you, you can even look at yourself kind of like the, a school and start in September and take June through the September off, take whatever time off that you need, but bake that into your content. Otherwise it's going to be very, very difficult. Or if you record a lot of shows that are evergreen, then you can release those. But I think I think a hiatus, taking a break time, is a great idea. It, it helps recharge your batteries. It helps you with life, life stuff. I also take off holidays and that kind of a thing. So just keep that in mind. And even if you do take the hiatus off, you still could come back if you wanted to and do hiatus podcast episodes. I did that. Well, we did that a couple of times. Actually, it was me. And we focused on certain cast members, and we did kind of a like a double-checked Wikipedia about their filmography and where they were born and that kind of thing. So just, just some ideas. Number 33, ready to go all the way live? I mentioned this before. A live show is fun because it's live, 
but it can be very nerve-wracking because it's live. And especially when you have a chat room going on, you're trying to cover material, you've got people that are kind of talking to you. And I initially use the live show to interact with people that are in the chat room. The trouble is the people that are listening that weren't in the chat room, they weren't there. They didn't know who these people were. So it became kind of a tough thing. And so as time went on, when we did the live shows, I kind of limited more and more and more. And uh, so something to keep in mind. And if you're not a fan of adult language in the chat, you may have to have somebody because it's hard when you are covering material during a live show, you just want to make sure that the feed is still going and the, the audio is still going out, that you can be heard. And then you have to chastise people for using adult language in the chat room. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's very tough. And adding to that, people that are having trouble are emailing you, say, on my iPad, I can't hear you properly or it's not working. Well, what's not working? It is just doing a live show, there's so much to it. It's very, very, very difficult. It's fun. It's cool. But if you can get a number of people doing that, helping you, that's the best. Doing it all by yourself, oh, it's just, it's really tough. Number 34, the good and bad side of competition. I should have starred this because this is, this is important. So, when most people talk about competition, they talk about the bad side. And there is a bad side. But I want to start by talking about the good side. I grew up in Southern California. There were two rock radio stations. I'm sorry for the country station listeners. But the rock stations was KMET and KLOS. And they competed all the time. And what I took away from that is there were some things on KMET that was so incredible, I couldn't get it anywhere, including KLOS. And KLOS had stuff that I could never get on KMET. And so they put their listeners first, and they made the the job of the listener just incredible. Because all the different things that the listeners got to be a part of and listen to, it was really great. When there's only one, it's hard because there's no competition. And you you rest on your laurels and that's it. So the good side of competition is if you're putting the listener first, they benefit tremendously. And I fell into it. And I don't know whether this is good or bad. It ended up being good is that. I remember our podcast was number one in iTunes for a while. And then there was another podcast that came along and they became number one. And we were number two or three and being three, I believe. And I fell to the bad side of competition, but it ended up being good is I told Colleen and in this, in this case, where they filmed Once Upon a Time was in Vancouver, Canada, 
we never been to Canada. I've never been to Canada. And so I started researching and I found that we could get what's called an enhanced driver's license and we could drive over the border. We didn't have to spend money on a, on a passport and all that kind of thing. So we got the enhanced license. We drove 17 or some odd hours from California, went up to Vancouver and visited where they filmed, which was in Vancouver, and Steveston, which is a little seaside town. It was just so great. We had a chance to uh, meet up and talk to the cast members, some of them. And it was just what we watched them film. We looked at, we, we saw the buildings where they filmed. We went inside. It was just, we watched them set up for filming. It was so incredible. And I know that a lot of shows can't, can't do that. But I will tell you this is if you follow at O L V, they report on where shows are filming all the time. And then you can kind of be a part of it as well. And you may, you probably won't be as lucky as us with the TV shows that you watch, but all the planets lined up for us for once upon a time. And I'm telling you, Vancouver, Canada, the people there are the nicest people. You can joke all you want about whatever, but the Canadians are the nicest people. And we had such a great time going up there, taking photos. We, and the first time we went up there, we did a live audio podcast from the Steveston Hotel in Steveston. As a matter of fact, we could look out the window and watch them film while we were doing the podcast. It was like 2.30 in the afternoon. It was magical. And Robert Carlyle was one of the actors, and it was Colleen's favorite. And he came by in the—they had these vans that would shuttle them back and forth to the hotel. Uh, I I think, actually, to the studio where they got— um, they went in they and they got their costumes and then they came over. And so Colleen got to see Robert Carlyle go by in his van. I mean, it, we couldn't have planned it better. And just a little extra story and then I'll move on. Is that when we got into town, before we got there, I contacted the hotel management and I asked them, I said, listen, we're, we do a Once Upon a Time podcast and we want to broadcast live from the hotel. Is it even possible? Is there a place? And she says, well, listen, we have a diner that we close down at 10 because we just serve breakfast. But for you, we'll open it up and we'll allow you to plug in, set up a table next to the window and you can broadcast from there. And that was just the most incredible fun thing. And so we, that's what we did is competition drove us to take the listeners along with us and had them participate. The other kind of interesting thing is when we got there, we were notified by the management of the hotel is that they said the, the network approves you to do this as long as you don't broadcast spoilers because obviously they were filming the new episodes and I said we don't 
we don't broadcast spoilers at all. And he says, they know they've been listening to your podcast, so they're okay with it. So even though if we got there, even though we got approval, ABC still could have, based on if we um, broadcast spoilers, they could have told us not to. And they probably could have caused us not to do that. So this is another thing I didn't write down on the list. Decide how you're going to handle spoilers. And for in our case, for what we had planned, not broadcasting and not um, including spoilers in our podcast was the best thing that we ever did. But others do things differently. And But I just wanted to include that. So we had an incredible time. The first time we did our live audio podcast from Steveston, the second or third time we went to Vancouver, we broadcast live. We did a Periscope walking tour of Steveston. And so my point in saying all this is, is that as long as the listeners and the viewers are your first priority, they will win if you use competition in the right way. The bad side, the dark side of competition, you take it too personal, it becomes uh, a negative situation. And it's hard because when you put your time, your money, your effort, your emotions into something and someone gets better response than you, it's tough. It's hard. But we talked about how to take it. Remember, you need thick skin. Having thick skin is difficult. You know, there was even uh, Bill and Anne Marie would host these once upon a time roundtables. And we had an opportunity to get the group together and really discuss it. And I really, I owe uh, Bill and Anne Marie a lot for that. And it was really, really a great time. We'll talk about RegalCon in a little bit, but it was really great to meet Bill at uh, RegalCon because, you know, the, the, the once the podcasting is, a, it's a tough gig. And I wrote that in the, the blog post here for, for this episode, it's a tough gig. And when you can have the pluses and gain fin- friendships and have help and help other people. It's just the the best thing. Number 35, how many podcasting, broadcasting gurus do you need? Oh, this is, this is important. When you start, whatever you start, you have someone who inspires you. And back in the day, mine was Leo Laporte. I don't know if anybody remembers Leo Laporte anymore. But he was the first one that really started to talk about podcasting. And he would be involved in these shows that would teach things, but in a fun way. And I remember, and I know that the people were involved in this hate it when I bring it up, but I miss Call for Help. That was a great TV show. I I miss it. I miss it now. I miss I miss the old shows that were on that network. But he was my initial inspiration. Now I've had a few since, but whenever there's a, a guru that you listen to initially, it helps you get started. 
And sometimes there's gurus like a Dave Jackson, like a Daniel J. Lewis, like a Ray Ortega, or many others that help you get started. It is great to help you get started. But I think sometimes we get stuck, and I mean that in the nicest way, with one guru. And I really want you to broaden your horizons. And because you can have more than one guru, it's not like a spouse. You can have you can have multiple gurus. And what I really recommend is that the more guru gurus that you have, the more folks that you listen to, the more remember we talked about your thumbprint. The more people that you listen to that have gone through the learning and the maybe achieved quote unquote success through podcasting or blogging, listen to them because they will probably teach you something differently. And one day I remember I came upon Holly Homer's story about how she grew her Facebook friends to a million plus from, I believe it was 10,000. And I put a link in the show notes that you can get to at onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 311. And she talks about how she did it. And she was a mommy blogger and talked about creating little fun activities for kids and different things. But she had a really, really interesting story. And then there are other ladies that are involved in that, Crystal and Kelly, they did a learn to blogcast hangout or learn to blog hangout. Now, they're more blogging, they're more social media, like a Pinterest, that kind of a thing, where Holly Homer is more of blogging, yes, but Facebook as well. And I really dove in and watched all their videos and learned from them, and I really benefited a lot from the way they interacted with the tools, the way they studied the tools. These ladies were like scientists because they would try it and then time it out, and I'm I'm telling you, I never heard any of this from most of the, the male gurus, nothing against them. But I would have missed that if I would have never listened to these ladies and probably others as well. So I really encourage you to try other gurus. And if they parrot back other things that you've heard before, then you may want to move on to others. But try other gurus that have really experienced growth and learn from them. Number 36, your graphics on your podcast can help your SEO. I've talked about this already, about using all your graphics, because Google will pull all that, those pictures and show it. And if you have your URL connected there, they'll know back. But also, your graphics on your podcast or your blog can help your SEO by being shared to Pinterest being shared to Facebook, being shared to all the different places. So keep that in mind. 
Number 37, how to podcast with no money. This is important. If you have no money, you have time and you have, remember, we talked about a point of view. So what you can do is you can be a great podcast listener and you can be a great podcast help. So if you're listening to someone else and they do a podcast about what you're interesting in, what you're interested in, is you can start to compile information and starting in and be a great podcast listener, send in emails to them. And the key is, is do the best that you can because you're going to help them in the long run. And we had this a number of times. Well, I'll talk about the deputies in a while, but we also had other really funny, interesting people that would send in their interesting emails and their little takes on things. And we incorporated that into the show. And that's what I want you to do. If you have no money and you have no equipment, this is a perfect way to share your love for a certain show or a certain topic is that you can listen to it and you can start sending in emails to the show and you can rate them and review them on iTunes and Stitcher and all the different platforms that are there. But be an encouragement, be a helper to this podcaster. And what could happen down the line is they could ask you to be part of their crew or at least mention you or give you a shout out on the podcast. So, I mean, it can't hurt doing all the good things and it's paying karma forward to this podcaster, all the work that they do and helping them out. Number 38, how to podcast without a podcast. So it's very similar to this, but what you can do is record your thoughts. Let's say you have some type of feedback that you want to send to another podcast. You can record on your phone or you can record it and then maybe mix in some type of fun music or something like that. And if they like it, they may ask you to help with their podcast. And so in a way, you're basically kind of trying out. You can... You're basically showing them what you can do and helping them along the way. But you could become a part of their crew or at least help them out. And you don't have to buy any podcast equipment. You don't have to create a WordPress site. You can help other people be a part of a podcast. And you don't have to do what I would call the heavy lifting because there's a lot of heavy lifting to a podcast. So there's a lot of ways that you can be involved just by being helpful and, and the creativity. Number 39, how to set up an interview if you have the audience numbers. Now we mentioned <clears throat> going through the networks, going through the studio. If you have the numbers, it can be easier to get an interview at a Comic-Con and that kind of a thing. That's very few people, but it is possible. If you've written a book, it can be a little easier. If you are established 
Maybe you've appeared on the news. Maybe you've been, you established yourself as a knowledge leader for a certain topic. And once you've done that, then it might be easier to have access to do an interview with someone who maybe is in a, a starring role of a television show. Number 40, the difference between a press pass and getting in the pool interview room at the Comic-Con event. So let's say that you prove to your the Comic-Con or the other convention that your podcast, your blog, meets the level of press. And it doesn't take too much. They want to see six months of your posts. So you have to prove you cannot create a podcast two weeks ago and expect to get a press pass to a Comic-Con. But if you prove yourself, then you can get a press pass to like a WonderCon or Comic-Con or wherever. Now, let me explain. There, there, There's two. What this does is it validates that you are, in fact, press. So that if you walk up to someone or take a photo in the close-up in the one of the uh, expo rooms that you're allowed to do that because you're part of the press. But this doesn't give you access to, there's a special interview room with these tables and the cast sit there all day long. And then these groups of people from the different radio stations or blogs or podcast or vlogs or all these different things, they um, interview you or you interview them throughout the day. I have not got access to this pool interview room. I don't know how it happens. I don't know the magic behind it. Now, I've gotten a press pass once and I asked the person at the press pass booth, I said, where's the interview room for once upon a time? They didn't know. From my from my understanding, it's two completely different things. So the press pass will get you possibly seated in an upper, closer spot. It will allow you to take photos. Again, because they know that you're part of the press. It actually can get you free parking sometimes. So I, I didn't know that till it was too late. But that was really interesting. But the access to the to the interview room, I, I still don't know how to do that. The only way that I've heard of it happening is that in a smaller venue, they really wanted to kind of promote these smaller shows. And they basically were looking around outside of the doorway of which I didn't know which room or which floor it was during uh, WonderCon. But in the smaller venues and the smaller towns, it can be a lot better and easier if you're waiting around outside the door. Maybe somebody could look at you and say, are, are you going to interview so-and-so from this show? And if you go, well, sure, yeah. And then they invite you in to help promote. Because remember, you're part of the media and you can help them promote the show. So... That's that's the thing. If you know how to get into that interview room, let me know. 
I still, I, 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 I want to know. I won't tell anyone if you don't want me to, but that's, I want to know. All right, number 41, working your way to the big interview. I remember talking to a press agent one time of how to get a big star interview, and she gave me some good advice. She said, start with the crew and the writers and build up your interview legacy. And because if you do well, initially, people will tell you, people will spread the news and help you get the bigger interview. But if you ask goofy questions, we talked to one of the cast members and they gave us some insight into questions you shouldn't ask. And those questions are still asked today. And I just, anyway, but uh, if you waste their time, they will remember and they will spread the word. So, Just remember that the time that you have with that cast member, with the recorder going, with the microphone out, use that time for the best of your ability. My advice, don't ask a 10-minute long question. Just ask the question. You don't need to set it up and explain all these different things. If, if If the cast member wants to tell you a story or have an elongated answer, That's perfectly fine. But do your best to have concise questions that are important to the time. And also try to do your best to have timeless, evergreen answers that you can maybe use later for other other projects. But build your legacy by starting small and then building up from there. And one more thing is that just remember that cast members, their schedules change so much that you could be scheduled for a certain time on a certain day and it could change almost a day before or the day of. You never know because the the press agent is really trying to kind of help them with their career. And if they have another opportunity, you, your interview could be bumped. So you have to really have a flexible schedule. It's happened to me. It's happened to a number of people. And so just be flexible. That's why we never really did a lot of interviews. Cause I, unfortunately with the day job, I di- did not have the flexibility to move things around. Number 42, but how to get interviews without network approval and access. I'm glad you asked. And here's the secret. IMDb Pro. Now, there's a number of things that are similar to this, but this is what I used. This will give you the names and access addresses and phone numbers for the agents and email addresses for the agents for the cast. So... What you can do is don't get too greedy. Don't do them all at once. But what I recommend is starting with cast members of the show that don't appear too much first. Start at the, there's a list. I would start at the bottom and begin to ask people if you have time for an interview for the interview and email the agent 
for that interview and work your way up. We, like I said, we had day jobs and I didn't have time to kind of move around my schedule for changes. So we requested that people would call in for voicemails and I gave them kind of a basic script. Please say this. And if you want to deviate, be my guest to deviate to whatever. And we got a number of really, really great voicemails because of that. And it was just, it was really great the way that worked out. And like I said, plan it out. Don't overload people with emails. You know, you may want to do one a week or something like that, but just, just do that. We had great, we had great response and I got in discussions with certain members of the cast for interviews. Unfortunately, I could not. We were close. I'll tell you the story. Is It was Regal Con, one of the conventions here, once upon a time in Orange County. I walked in to have a picture with Lana uh, Perea, who, uh, Regina Mills and the Evil Queen. I walked in and... She looked at it. I was, as, as many people will tell you, I was, I was awestruck. It was, it was like that. And so I walked in and I said, hi, Lana. And she said, hello. And you are. <laughs> and I said, this, my name is Jeff. And she looked at my name tag and she goes, wait a minute. You have been emailing my press agent. Why haven't we had an interview? And I went, oh. I said, unfortunately, they, they didn't get back to me. She goes, I'll handle it. We'll, we'll, we'll get it worked out. And I never had the time, unfortunately, to schedule it. And that's one of the biggest regrets that I have with the podcast. But you can access maybe folks that maybe had one appearance in one episode or something like that. And remember, I told you to add the new cast members to the Google Alerts is that that you can keep up on their activities and maybe their other projects as well. So that, you know, if you did have an opportunity to interview them, you could also throw in a question about, well, tell us about this new project that you're working on as well. And I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Wow. It's not just you know, this main topic, but they actually care about my other film, my other project that I'm working on as well. So IMDB Pro, you can email and get uh, information and even request for maybe a voicemail or an interview. Number 43, important checklist for the big interview. This is huge. Do your homework. Read the interviewee's Wikipedia pages, and you got to verify because it's Wikipedia, but read their Twitter, read their Facebook accounts, read their other interviews, learn as much as you can about them before going into or having the interview. There's a guy, interviewer, his name is Drew Marshall. He has a great show in Canada, and he would read the Twitter feeds for the celebrities that he would interview on his 
radio show. And he would ask things like, so is your dog okay? And the celebrity would go, how did you know that? And he said, well, it was on your Twitter feed. And they would go, well, they're fine. Thank you very much for asking. And so when you do that kind of level of, of homework and research before the interview, you can find out all kinds of really great stuff. And so you have to put in the time because you, what you don't want to do is start the interview with, well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? No. Please go into it well read with your homework done. And really also you probably should watch and listen to other interviews because you can get great stories. Like I remember there was a great, I, I didn't get to interview Jennifer Goodwin. I, I wish I could have, but I didn't. But in doing research for the episode we did for um, during a hiatus, she told a story to David Letterman about raccoons in her front property and how they were just, they had fun when she turned on the lights and all this. And it was just, it was a fun story about raccoons in Jennifer Goodwin's front yard. So it's just the more homework you can do, the better. And that is, that will pay dividends down the line. And if you do have the opportunity to interview someone, maybe in a red carpet or something, make sure you've got enough batteries, make sure that everything works, try it out, make sure you test it out, make sure that you pronounce the names pers the, the person's name correctly, make sure it's spelled right, just, just test everything out. If you're recording at home on your phone, make sure that everything works. Make sure, uh, just test because you never, ever, ever want to call them back and say, I, I didn't record or there was a problem. You don't want any problems. You want it to be smooth for them. Number 44, smaller conventions and the pos and the possibilities. If you live in maybe South Dakota, Kansas, whatever, these comic cons are coming to these smaller towns. And when you have the opportunity, you can actually do some research and find there are agents for the celebrities that make appearances at these smaller conventions that aren't a part of the network. They're just a part of the celebrity in the conventions. And so you can contact them. You may be able to ask them for an interview and not even be a part of the, um, the network. So the smaller conventions in the smaller States and, and smaller towns, you may have the opportunity to have, to have great access that you would never even consider, but just again, be prepared, do your homework. <clears throat> Number 45, support the show's cast, crews, and favorites, charities, or projects. Be connected to the cast. Be connected to the crew. And try not make it just about what they can give you, but give back to them. Great story is the, the Once Upon a Time spoof crew. They did videos in a parody way for Once Upon a Time on YouTube, and then they 
had this idea to do this rock opera and they put together this great rock opera for once upon a time. And so what happened was, is they really start to get to know some of the cast members. And there was a, um, Sean McGuire who played Robin Hood. There was an event in Hollywood and I didn't ask specifics, but somehow they got to be a part of the red carpet interview for this event. Now, obviously, the questions need to center around the event, but there can be little bits of, you know, we love you on the show and we miss you on the show or whatever. But be connected not only to the cast, not only to the crew, but also their charities and other projects, you could have the opportunity to maybe interview a cast member for maybe a small film or a a TV show that they're a part of. You never know what can happen. You never know. But if you aren't really connected and and won't, aren't supporting you won't have those type of opportunities. So keep that in mind. Number 46, when should you start a podcast about a TV show? I would say start early, but not too early. You never know how long these TV shows will last. For once upon a time, I waited five episodes. And then I started doing blog posts to kind of see the response on Google And I remember to the first or second blog post, I got to page one of Google for once upon a time. And I said, well, okay, you never know what's going to happen with these shows. But I would say start early, but not too early. Because when a show is new, you can have access to cast and crew better than if it's two or three seasons down the line, it can be more difficult because early on there's kind of a promotion wave that they will allow certain people to promote it more than they would down the line. So in another thing I would say, well, let's go on to number 47. When should you plan a meetup for the listeners of your podcast? I would say strike while the iron is hot. And as soon as soon as you can possibly put it together, and I'm going to give you some hints about how to put together a meetup and save money and maybe do a lot of it for free. So we did a meetup. I think it was the second right in between the first and the second season. It was in September. Hot as Hades. Wow, it was hot that day. But we did a meetup at Disneyland because we uh, we live near there. So we knew that Disneyland is probably, if not the top tourist destination, it's in the top five. So I figured that's where people were going to be going anywhere. And then people were flying in, changing their their vacation to around our meetup to be there. I mean, it was really, really touching and incredible to, to see that. And we had, I think, 30 people around there. But it was so hot that day. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so 
but we had a great time. Number 48, one more thing. You are a promotion device. I starred this one as well. Remember, you're part of the media and you are part of promotion. So again, as podcasters, we're always kind of looked down and, and this and that. But keep in mind, you have a voice and you have people that listen to your voice or read your blog or read your Facebook or whatever the social media platform of the day is, you have a voice and therefore you promote. So you are important. And so keep that in mind. And so we, we kind of touched on, remember the charity point of view is when you begin to support and help out the charities for these cast and crew members, you can ask for participation because you want to promote their cause, their charity. And if it's a good fit for you, go for it. Go for it. But you are an important member of the promotion part of whatever your your topic is. Never, ever, ever undercut your value. Never. You are valuable. Just remember that we can all learn, we can all get better, we can all say less ums and you knows and whatever, but never under, undercut your value because people listen to you. They do. I, I want to go off a bit of a tangent and I'll come right back. You don't know who is listening because the majority of the people that send you the emails, even the negative ones and the tweet tweets and all that. There's a bulk of people that don't do that, but they're listening. They are. I'm promising you they are. Number 49, how to get stuff donated for free for a meetup. Remember, you're part of the media and your promotion. You are a promoter of whatever that is. So whatever you can get donated from someone as long as you promote them and you mention them, they're getting free promotion. So a friend of mine has a YouTube channel and a podcast about a certain topic. And based on that alone, he compiled this meetup. And I didn't ask him specifically, but I know this. Everything he had was donated. He got a room at a touristy or a tourist location at in the SoCal area, donated for free. He had food from a caterer donated for free. I believe he had a limousine service to and from the... I can't remember if it was, L it was probably LAX, to the location for free. He had a number of celebrities that came in, and I, I don't know if he paid for them or not, but what I want to say is a number of things were donated for this because he, and what he did is he put a number of things together. It was his son's birthday. I think it was their, they celebrated their wedding. 
anniversary. He had celebrities come in and he brought his video equipment. He interviewed them for his uh, vlog. And he also did audio recording. I mean, he everything was done. It was magical because all the things that were donated and then he used that time and all those things to not only promote them that donated everything, but he also used that time to do videos for it was just it was the most incredible thing. I've, I've never, ever seen anything like it. So the one thing I want to tell you, the best bit of advice, and I know I wrote it later and I if I repeat it, it's good to repeat it. Best bit of advice I ever heard from anyone tell me is if you want something, ask for it. Now, here's the thing. You just don't want to ask and, and have people say, well, well, sure, just because there's nothing magical about you asking. But if you offer them a benefit and you think about it, whether it's promotion, whether it's you know, using your platform to spread the word for something. They have to get something out of it. And if you offer them something to get out of it, and then you ask them and trade for this, the barter system is alive and well. It hasn't gone away. It's alive and well. And so if you ask for something, and you can back that up by, we have this many number of listeners or readers and we would like for you to donate this. And maybe there's just a little bit like, well, we can do that. And if they say we can't do that, we'll say, what can you do? Never, ever, ever let a conversation end just closing off with a comment. Always keep talking. Always keep asking. Say, what can you do? Is there any way that we can do that? You have to learn to be a negotiator because... I mean, unless you're the in most incredible person with a staff of 12 people that are helping you on your podcast or blog, that, that's not me. And so with that in mind, you have to be the negotiator. You have to learn how to negotiate well. You have to learn w about benefits, what's going to benefit the other person. You have to do that. It's, it's so important. So, and that was my number 50. So I skipped ahead. All right. So number 51, how to get a review copy of the Blu-ray discs of a particular TV show. What I recommend is contacting the network and you can ask them, say, listen, I do a, if you're doing a TV show podcast, say I'm doing a TV show podcast for this who would I contact to get a review copy of the season, whatever for the television show. And we got an answer back and we got the free Blu-ray and I made sure that I also emailed my contact when we posted the show so that they would know. And that was a great, great help for us. Number 52, build a crew for your podcast blog. The crew are the folks that help you out in the kind of day-to-day -day and the week-to-week -week and the show-to-show -show and the post-to-post. -post. They help you out. And 
there's a couple of ways that you can find these people. And remember, we talked about you being the best listener, the best reader for a podcast or a blog. You be the best. You think about them, you encourage them, and you find those people for you that are really doing that, that are sending the emails and say, man, that, that bit cracked me up, or I really learned a lot, or man, that was really you know, powerful and impacted me. I thought about it or whatever. Those types of people you may want to ask and say, listen, I can't pay you anything. And if you can pay them, that's great. I, I wish I had your money. But if not, then you could say, listen, would you mind helping us? Could you maybe read the review emails and condense them down into kind of bite-sized chunks, or maybe you could write blog posts. We had great help with folks creating blog posts for us. And maybe they could create YouTube videos. They also created YouTube videos. Um, maybe they could review the voicemails and maybe weed out the duplicate uh, theories and statements and that kind of thing. However, they can help you build your crew. And, you know, sometimes things happen down the line. Maybe you part ways. Maybe you don't agree. A lot of different things can happen. But do your best to build your crew. And you, you're going to, that's going to be a great thing. Because you can teach them little things that you've learned. And they're going to benefit from that. So this is really, that's one of the, the, the key points to crew. Number 53, the deputies, social media. One of the most fun parts of the podcast is when we had what we call deputies. Now, if you've never seen Once Upon a Time, let me just explain. There was a sheriff that's on the show. And so we had some listeners that in a, in a fun, cute way, said, we'll be the deputies. And then we'll be your representatives and all that. And we created a fun little social media account on Twitter. And they had little fun things. It was really, really so neat because they understood the fairy tale aspect of it. And it was just so great. They created blog posts and videos. And it was just, it was just so neat. And the one thing I want to tell you, I didn't, I didn't write this down, but the one thing I want to tell you is when things are great, always remember that. I don't care if you have to write it down in a journal or whatever. When things, when the planets line up and everything is working together, always remember that. Always remember that. And that was... You know, before I got too crazy, crazy, before I got too crazy, before just things just started to get tough for me, this was uh, really a fun point. So if you've got a crew and you've got somebody maybe helping you out with fun little points on social media, ah, that's just that's just great. Number 54, build diversity into your crew. If you have all guys, try and mix it up. Diversity with maybe background or culture or whatever. Build diversity because your 
the people that listen to your show or that read your blog, they're going to be diverse too. And you're going to do yourself a favor by having such a diverse group. So that's what I can recommend to you. Number 55, how Google helps your get you better search results. I'm going to talk more about uh, Holly Homer, but specifically Kelly and Crystal. They've done some great videos about how to look into the Google search console and the Google analytics. And I know that the minute I mention any of that, the name's going to change again and it's not going to be the same as it was. So what I'm saying is Google is going to help you by notifying you of errors and different things that you need to fix because they're helping you make the best website ever. And so they want to make sure that there's no errors. They want to make sure that you have everything that you need. And with the Yoast SEO plugin, that's going to help you with your SEO work. And it's really, Google is actually trying to help you. So uh, also, Google is helping you. It's a little tougher to find these days, but it's going to help you with your organic search terms so that you'll know the next kind of blog post that's going to get that people are already interested in. They're already searching for so that you can write that way to continue to do better in the Google search results. So Google is your friend. It's a little tough because the UI and just it's, it's tough to understand. So you probably want to Google some tutorials on how to find it and, and what to do, but Google is your friend. Number 56, programs and plugins that are a must for a successful blog and podcast. Now, Grammarly is very, very, very helpful because it's going to help you spell better right off the bat. And also Yoast SEO is going to help you with your SEO work. And that's just for the free one as well. There's also a broken link checker plugin. And that's how oh, Grammarly is a program that's outside. Uh, Yoast SEO is a plugin. And um, broken link checker, that is a plugin as well. The key to that is the less broken links you have in your blog post, the better. Because then Google's going to look at it and say, well, this is a well done post. But if there's a bunch of broken links, people are going to click on it and get frustrated. So that's the thought behind it. There's also an URL shortener. I use pretty links, but there's other like Bitly and all this. But it's going to help you shorten your links to your blog post or to your MP3 file so that you can click on it and get directly to that. There's other ones, but I want to stop there. If you want to include what you think are great programs and plugins for your podcast or blog, let me know in the comments down below uh, on the in the show notes, once upon a time podcast.com slash 311. Number 57, what if you don't have time to arrange a cast crew interview? And we talked about 
asking for voicemails. That was a saving grace. Some of those voicemails I still remember. It's really, really cool. Number 58, promote new movies and projects for cast members. We kind of touched on that before. Support cast members and crew members. And they'll remember. So do that. Number 59, don't forget to promote charities. We've kind of talked about that. And I told you the story about Aaron from OUAT Spoof and their rock opera. Number 60, use groups to grow your reach. And remember, not only are you part of the media, you're also a promotion person and a promotion group, actually. And number three, your podcast is very powerful. So we did hiatus episodes for different types of groups for Once Upon a Time. Like I remember we did one with a writer of some fan fiction stuff. And then we also, oh, this is a great story. I didn't write this down. We had a listener who, from Once Upon a Time podcast, who also was a knitter. And so in her knitting group, she found the person that actually knit together the blanket for little baby Emma in Once Upon a Time. I would have never found this person, but because the listener was in this knitting group, she found Caitlin French, who knitted together and worked with the show and taught um, Granny on the show and Jennifer Goodwin. And I believe, I believe Jennifer Morrison, how to knit. I believe she did. And they all, they came to the store where she worked in Vancouver and she taught them how to knit because obviously if you're going to act like you're knitting on a show, you want to make sure that you look like you're really knitting. And so we interviewed Caitlin French on a podcast episode and we were found on Google because of that by a radio station. And I can't remember where it was, but it was in the Midwest somewhere. And they post, they posted a link to our page and we got all kinds of hits from that. And so groups, 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 groups. Very, very, very important. You never know who you're going to bump into, who you find, what opportunities you're going to run into. So it's very, very important. I mean, it's just think about it. Knitting. And what's I just and what's funny is <clears throat> she would post on her on her page in this knitting group like yeah see that hat in episode whatever i i knitted that or whatever and so you started to watch the show in a very different way anything that was knitted that was another thing i really enjoyed about once upon a time the the production crew they were very 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 cognizant of using local talent and Anyway, I, I keep going, but that was a, it's a great story. All right. 
So one more thing is that use your podcast for others. If you find a group that you find so intriguing that has a large enough group uh, reach, you can have them come on your podcast. You can do all the production work and recording and posting and all that. Let them talk. They'll promote it to their group and listeners. And as long as it makes sense to you, as long as the, the, the connection is there, do that. I mean, that's a great, we did, we, we did that a number of times and um, not for once upon a time, but it does work for reaching other groups that don't have a podcast. I asked early on for uh, a connection with, um, with a big website and it didn't work out, but I was, I was hopeful. Anyhow, number 61 and this is kind of controversial. I I don't know if I would say this across the board and you have to use kid gloves. But this is how we got our first Once Upon a Time cast member voicemail. It's at calling and ask for it on Twitter. Straight up. That's it. And it worked. And then... I had a few other ways and what we talked about in IMDb Pro on how to get more of them. But she kind of got the whole thing started. And it was magical then. And what was really incredible is I can't remember what episode it was, but we played it and it was the majority of the it was a majority of the dwarves on the show were singing the song from the Disney movie. And what we didn't know is it was the cast room and the majority of the cast were in the room, even though they didn't say anything. So people knew who we were. That was just, and it blew me away. Uh, Anyway, number 62, promote others. And we kind of talked about that before, but I want to really zone in on this is, Regal Con was kind of a homegrown once upon a time convention that really was really cool. Um, lots of pros, some cons, but it was a great, great event. And they gave us a slot. It was the first time we ever had a a panel. And we really... I didn't know if I could hold people's attention for whatever the 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it was. And so the first thing I said is I'm going to get some friends of mine and I'm going to invite them because I want to promote them because they're connected to us. And so I got Richard and Sarah from Skywalking Through Neverland podcast to come on and share a bit about their show and their podcast. And then I got Aaron and some of the cast from uh, the Once Upon a Time spoof, which turned out to be the Once Upon a Time rock opera. And they were part of our panel. And I really thought it was a great idea. As a matter of fact, we, Bill from uh, Greetings um, from Storybrook, he and I actually helped on another panel for Regal Con. So 
helping others, promoting others is just, it's a good idea. And it helps in so many different ways. And the, the, the key is not going down the dark path of competition, staying on the good path, which is, is hard sometimes, but it's good to do that. And um, Regal Con, I'll have a lot of great, great memories from that. So the Once Upon a Knit was Genevieve. She wrote a book that was really centered around fairy tales and Once Upon a Time. And so we had her on. We did an interview with her on the podcast. And I was really happy to do it. And she still puts up with me on Facebook today. So promote others. Commit yourself to them. And do your best to promote others, and it can come around. And I, I think it's a good thing. Number 63, the biggest key to a successful podcast, build your posse. I cannot say how important this is. When you're a podcaster, even if you have one, two, or three co-hosts, it can feel lonely. And I remember there was a Sunday night, it was Saturday night, that I went to Disneyland. And there was a member of my posse that I remember sat, I sat down, two of them. And I just said, I'm going to quit. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And this was early on. This was, I, you know, I was feeling the pressure, you know, competition and all that. And I remember both of them looking at me saying, you've got a great show. You and Colleen are great. Don't quit. And it was kind of like somebody gave me $1,000 because that's what I needed at that point. And the posse is going to be people that help you when you're at your lowest low, when it's the toughest point and they will help you. Here are the different types of people that I think you need in your posse. Number one, an encourager. Somebody who just encourages you. I, and whoever that is. And what I recommend are get people that are not in your family and not on your crew. People that are outside. And... The encourager is always somebody that you need, but that's not the only person in your posse. The second is a creative out of the box thinker. When you are working on promotion of how to get more listeners or more readers or more viewers or more whatever, you have really exhausted everything in your head, in your Google search, in your podcast guru playlist and you need somebody that is a creative out of the box thinker that says, have you ever thought about this? And you go, man, you know, I've never, ever, ever thought of that. That is incredible. And you need those types of people. And, and by the way, this creative out of the box thinker cannot be a podcaster. You cannot because they're kind of, in that world that you're in and you need somebody that's out of the world that 
has no kind of concept. What's an RSS feed and all this? Number three in your group and your posse is a brutal truth teller. You need somebody that will rival some of your negative, negative feedback people. But you do need somebody that will tell you the truth when you ask a question. And that's, that's just it. Number four, you need a mentor. You need somebody who's gone before you and somebody who has quote unquote success that you can follow and that you can be inspired by. And what I don't mean is someone like a Leo Laporte. It'd be, it'd be nice if you could have someone who you know, who you can talk to, who you can emulate that's in your area. Because I, I think that's great. And if you can't find somebody in your area, then maybe find somebody that you can exchange emails with and maybe get on Skype and maybe kind of talk to or whatever. But not not a guru, not somebody that you have to pay to talk to you and all this, but someone who you can exchange with. A mentor. Number five is a website geek. Oh my gosh. Once you get involved with with WordPress, you will the more you know, the more you'll understand you don't know. And so you, you must, must, must find a website geek. And you must pay them and you must be happy that they are helping you because it is just so important. So put your posse together. Thank your posse a lot. If you want to get together as a group, that's fine. Have some fun. Make sure that they all understand how important they are to you. Because podcasting is not on an island. You're, you're not by yourself. You need others. And I think these are the others that you need. Because you're going to have your gurus, you're going to have these other websites that really provide other great information and that kind of thing. But I think the, the posse is the most important thing that you can have. They will help you achieve your dreams. They can. All right, that's it. That's the last one. I want to thank you for listening all the way through. And if you didn't, you should be ashamed of yourself. No, I'm just kidding. So here's the thing. I want you to get a hold of Dave Jackson at the School of Podcasting. If you are brand new to podcasting, he will help you get started, as he says, on the right path. I can't do that. That's not my gift. If you have gotten started and if you are starting now and you get it all set up, then I'm, I want to hear from you. If you have questions for me, if you need help, if you have maybe a topic that you kind of don't know how to tackle, you can email me at feedback at once upon a time podcast.com. I want to help you time permitting. I want to help you. And if you need an intro recorded, if you want something recorded for your podcast, as long as I get credit, that's fine. I want to help you because people helped me. 
And that's really, that's really what it's all about. So if you are a podcaster, I want to make myself available to you. If you have a show and you would like to interview me, let me know. Email me. Let's set it up because I'm coming up with some new ideas for a new podcast or two. And I would really like to share lessons learned, but also information about my next project. And as I mentioned before, my new podcast is called The Men Are Dumb Show. And it's really me surviving as a guy, as a dumb guy in a woman's world. That's really it. And there's really funny segments and a lot of funny stuff and a lot of funny characters. So that's what's next for me. If you want to follow me now on Twitter, you can follow for this podcast, for the OUAT podcast on Twitter. And for the Men Are Dumb, it's Men Are Dumb on Twitter. So I really want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for your support. If you have listened to the Once Upon a Time fan podcast in the past and been such a loyal listener, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're a podcaster and you listen to me for the first time, sorry I talked on and on and on for so long. But thank you for doing what you do. And if you're a little nervous about starting a podcast, we all have been there and you can do it. You are important. You are unique. You can do this. And we need you. We need to hear what you think from your point of view. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. And here we go. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Roni's Own Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. <laughs>